Well, welcome back on this August Sunday. And the, the weather's warm and things are normal here in Texas. And I'm Scott Weatherford. I'm so glad you've joined us again online. And I really hope that these series on the Sermon on the Mount have been encouragement to you. I know they've been intimidating to me as I've looked at the greatest sermon ever preached. Uh, I, I recall a, a time in seminary, this young man was taking a class in the Survey of New Testament, and he was asking the final to criticize the Sermon on the Mount. Well, the unfortunate thing, he had prepared for analyzing Paul's missionary journey. So what he did on his blue book, he said, who am I to criticize the Sermon on the Mount? I'd much rather chase Paul's missionary journey. Well, I thought it was kind of clever, and he got an A in the class. That's a preacher story, so don't believe everything you hear. But today I want to talk to you about, really, the heart. Jesus is the most effective communicator to ever have lived. And he used things in such a simplistic and dynamic way that really drove to the heart of, of the matter of who we are. And as he starts this section, starting in chapter 6, he makes a big shift. He's talked about your heart condition, your, your personal devotion up until this point. Then he takes a pivot, and he starts talking about your outward expression of that inward commitment. You know, here in, well, I think it's just a commonplace through all kind of religion, we're more concerned about how we, how we are perceived than what's going on in our heart. We want to keep a pretense about what who we are externally instead of really looking at the internals. But I want to tell you something. It all bubbles out. It all bubbles out eventually. This is what Jesus said, and he opens this with this warning. Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. Otherwise, you'll have no reward with your Father in heaven. Jesus knows, Jesus knows we have a tendency to be hypocritical. What? Oh, yeah, come on. Let's don't play a game here. We have a tendency to pretend, to pretend that we're cooler than we are, that we're smarter than we are, that we're better than we are, especially when it comes to religion. Religion. Now, the word hypocrisy, very interesting word. It comes out of the Greek theater. It means to pretend. It means like when they put on a mask. They would put on a comedy mask or they put on a tragedy mask and they would pretend. It was playing the part. A hypocrite playing the part. And someone recently, in fact, I hear this a lot. People say, well, I'd go to church, but it's full of hypocrites. And I said, well, there's always room for another one. You can come. And we all play the part. We all struggle with hypo hypocrisy, with being hypocritical. Now, the phrase, uh, practicing your righteousness, can be confusing. Now, how can I tell if I'm being sincere? Now, this, this talk that I'm doing, really, it kind of brought a, a conviction into my own heart. Uh, in fact, I'll tell you, this whole sermon has probably been more for me than for you. And it brought a conviction. That how can I tell if I'm pretending? How do I really know if I'm sincere? You see, my heart is deceitful. It deceives me. It deceives my mind. It, because I know that raging inside me is someone who needs to be and has been redeemed but that pull, that drift back towards the unredeemed, ungenerated, regenerated man just really keeps pulling on me. And I'll, I'll address that a bit more because I want to give you some hope of this whole hypocrisy thing. How do I tell if I'm being honest? Am, am I judging my righteousness by what other people think of me? Or am I looking at who I am compared to what God says I am? And it's, it's really a challenge. How do I get there? The scripture is full of how God detests hypocrisy. Yeah, God doesn't play games. He ain't playing. He's serious. Listen to this passage. 
I hate, I despise your festivals. I can't stand the stench of your solemn assemblies. Even if you offer me your burnt offerings and grain offerings, I will not accept them. I will have no regard for your fellowship offerings or your fatted cattle. Take away from me the noise of your songs, not listening to the music of your harps, but let justice flow like water and righteousness like an unfailing stream. Now that last portion of that scripture was a quote that Martin Luther King Jr. talked about uh, dealing with hypocrisy of, of racism. Let justice flow like waters and righteous like a unfailing stream. Let justice flow. But justice starts, get this, the headwaters of justice are found in the corridors of my heart. And my heart needs to be redeemed. God hates it when I pretend. He hates it when we pretend. He hates it when we play church. Now, I don't know about you, but I, I grew up in the South. So I don't know where you grew up, but I grew up in the South. And we'd play a lot of things. We'd play school, and my sister was always the teacher. And she'd line us up and teach us, and I'd always end up getting a spanking. I don't know what that was about, but I did. And we would play funeral director. And my oldest brother, he was always the undertaker. And there was a Barbie doll that was going to be buried in the backyard someplace. And then we would play church. And my oldest brother would be the preacher, and my other brother would stand. He would be the offering taker, and my sister would be the, the soloist, and I'd be the participant because I was a younger. I had to be in the congregation. And we play church. But listen to me, y'all. How often in North America, especially in North America, do we pretend and play church? We want to sing what we want to sing. We want to hear what we want to hear. We want to be out on time so we can eat what we want to eat. And we're just playing church like children. And God hates that. God doesn't want us to play church. He wants us to be the church. God doesn't want us to do church. He wants us to be the church. And the church is designed to be the hope of the world. Our gatherings are so people can come and see, come and follow, come and serve, and then surrender and come and die. There is a process, and we'll discuss that more as we look at our heart. My life is not some outward show for people to see how holy and righteous I am. My life is about being transformed so I can let my good deeds so shine before men that they will see my Father in heaven and give glory to him. My life is not about the hymns I sing or the services I attend but the Lord who I serve. Oh, there's a change. Are you really a Christ follower? Are you pretending? Are you really a spiritual-minded person who's living all for Jesus? Are you playing church? The first area that I have to deal with is my outward expression to men, but then it's got to come from my heart. So let me pray for us and we'll talk. Father, thank you for what you're going to say to us today. And I pray that you speak through me, not my words, but your, your words, not my thoughts, but your thoughts. And I pray, Father, that you will do in me whatever you want done. And I pray this in your name. Amen. Now, I want to encourage you, okay? I want to encourage you that coming up this fall, we're going to start some online life groups. I want you to jump in because this fall we're going to be talking about how to live all for Jesus. So I want you to jump in those groups. And, and there's other opportunities to serve. And I want you to use the resources we have for you. 
But now I'm going to take a hard pivot because listen to me, listen to me. If you want to show your heart condition, it starts with your generosity. What? Yeah, it starts with your generosity. You see, Jesus says, be careful not to practice your righteousness before men. And then he takes the hard pivot and he says, let's talk about giving. Okay, Scott, that's kind of a bait and switch on me. What You set up this whole thing about inward heart and expression and pretending, and then you talk about giving. Yeah, because I'm telling you, your giving will reveal your heart. Let me read to you what Jesus said. This is interesting. So whenever you give to the poor, don't sound a trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogue or on the streets to be applauded by people. Truly, I tell you, you have their reward. But when you give to the poor, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret and your father sees in secret will reward you. Giving reflects the heart of God and therefore should cast the shadow on my heart. It reflects my heart. Listen, so when you give, being generous, so when you give, not if you give, or perhaps you might consider giving, when you give, when you were like God, God is a great giver. He's generous. He's not stingy. He's not wringing his hands and going, oh my, how are we going to live another month? God is generous, and he wants you to have the same. And being generous is vital, a part of your life and living all for Jesus. If you want to deal with hypocrisy, first deal with your generosity. Oh, see, it's not if you give, but when, and then how. Throughout Scripture, giving is important because... It really shows God's character. Look look at this. Each person should do as he's decided at his heart, not reluctantly or out of compulsion, since God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make every grace overflow to you, so that in every way, always having everything you need, you may excel in every good work. As it's written, he distributes freely, he gave to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. Now I want you to look at this passage. It's really interesting. Believers are to be givers. Because it reflects the heart of God. And this is a promise with a premise. A premise of obedience provides the promises of God. He says, when you're generous, I'm going to be generous back to you. I'm going to freely give to you. I'm going to give you what you don't have. Because I want to show you what my heart is like. Do you know Jesus taught more about giving than he did about heaven and hell? He taught more about generosity than he did about heaven and hell. And here in the Sermon on the Mount, what he did, he took his long bony prophet finger and thumped it in the chest of the scribes and Pharisees because they were so concerned about their outward expression. Well, how do I give in a way that honors God? How do I give in a way that's not pretentious or hypocritical? Well, Jesus addressed this very plainly. Let's look at it. Um, by not making a big deal out of it, just doing it. By not making a big deal out of it, but just doing it. I've been married 40 years, and when I do things, in fact, I thought about that this morning. When I was making the bed, like I make the bed every day, I want to make a big deal about it. I want Terry to go, oh, look at that wonderful husband of mine. He made the bed again today. She never says that. You know why? Because it just needs to be do, done. It just needs to be done. I clean the bathrooms. I'd love to her to blow the trumpet. Look at my wonderful husband. He cleaned the bathrooms. Why wouldn't I clean them? Do I think it's her job to clean them or my job? It just needs to be done. Or when I wash dishes or when I do the laundry, which I've been fired from a few times because white things turn red when, well, okay, you know the drill. But 
All those things, it just needs to be done. But I like the accolades because I have a heart problem. I want it to be about me. Jesus said, just do it. Don't look for the trumpet. Now, keep what you do between you and God. Keep what you do between you and God. Now, I've made a practice. I've been a pastor for 40 years. I've been made a practice of not knowing what people give. I've been criticized by that by other pastors. I said, this is what they say. How can you develop the spiritual gift of generosity if you don't know what people are giving? Well, you know what? Last time I looked, it's God's job to develop people spiritually, not mine. My job is to guide them, and God's job is to, to, to change them. My job is just to guide them. So Now, do I know if people who are in leadership give? Yeah, but I never know how much because it's none of my business. And I've done that for, for years, and I train other pastors to do it, even though I get pushback. And what's really interesting, the ones that push back the hardest are the ones that pastor the largest churches. So maybe I'm wrong? I just don't think so, because I think it's the conviction of my own personal heart. Now, what Jesus was doing was calling out the religious crowd of that day. When people gave at the temple, they had this contraption called a giving trumpet. And because their, their money was coins and not paper, they would throw coins in this thing, and it would clang around, you know, making all this noise, a trumpet, and it did it to show people's generosity. And of course, the more you gave, the more the trumpet would sound and the more accolades you would get, and you would stand there with your fingers in your robe showing, look how genius I am, because I made that trumpet sing. But there was a second way people could give in the temple. It was on the backside in a private way that you could give. They all knew that. But most of them were practicing their righteousness before men by the display of their false generosity called hypocrisy. They also were notorious for not taking care of their aging parents. They were notorious for that. They would say to their aging parents, I'm sorry, I can't take, you for what, take care of you for what I've committed to take care of you. I've given it to God. I've given it to them. And then they were also bragged about how they tithed on everything, even the mint from their garden, they would tithe on it. And they were lying. They were practicing their righteousness before men. And Jesus knew it all. Your giving is a really a gateway revealing of your heart. Oh, wow. So it should be giving out of devotion and out of love, not out of show. As a man purposed in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or necessity, for God loves a cheerful giving. This kind of giving is not giving to get something. It's giving with the expectation that God is going to be glorified. Money that's given then is released for ministry without constraint. Huh. When I give to someone in need, I shouldn't have expectations when I give to a ministry, I shouldn't have expectations because I'm releasing that to God. Often I assume that if I give money to a homeless person, they're going to waste it. Who am I to judge? If God has motivated me to give, then I give. Will they waste it? Probably. But that's not my business. My business is to be generous. Now, Scott, you say you're just so naive. Well, do you know what? I might be. But I want my heart to be right. And I want my heart to reflect God's heart. So you deal with your heart, and I deal with mine. You know, I hear people say this. I'm going to talk about judgment in a couple of weeks. 
that I just don't trust your motives. Really? I don't trust my motives most of the time. How dare me project somebody else's motives when I don't even know my own? Just a thought. When I give money to God's work, I release it to accountable leadership to accomplish the work of God. I don't control what I give. Now, some of you, your mind just got blown. I release it to accountable leadership. I'm going to say this, and, and I don't want it to be offensive, but it probably will. What I've learned is that the loudest complainers in the church are the least givers, and the most generous are the most glad and in unity. Wow. That's just my experience in 40 years. The loudest complainers are the ones who give the least. Huh. You see, God doesn't need my money. You need to give your money. You need to give your resources. God ain't looking for walking around money. When he returns, he's not going to look, see how much money we saved up because he's going to eat pizza on his way in. No. You need to give. Godly righteousness, godly generosity brings God's glory. Godly generosity brings God's glory. Blessings from God are tied to being generous. You cannot give God. Listen to this in Malachi 3.10. Bring the full tenth into the storehouse so there may be food in my house. Test me in this way, says the Lord of armies. See if I will not open the floodgates of heaven and pour out a blessing for you without measure. In 2009, 2008-2009, Tara and I lost everything we had. Everything we had. We invested money in a business, and when the economy turned, it caused us to go bankrupt. And we lost everything, including our house. We had nothing. Zippity-doo-dah. Nothing. And we watched God be generous in restoring us. Why? Because we followed the biblical principles of giving to him and being generous. Now, what I do in generosity is none of your business, but I want to tell you something. It's business that I do with God personally, and God has been faithful, and you can ask Tara. God has blown us away in his generosity. Are we rich? Oh, yeah, we're rich. Rich in love, rich in mercy, rich in grace. We're cared for, but not in extravagance. In fact, I, I, man, I'm just amazed because God is so faithful. I need to give. So here's six guiding principles for giving. So I'm going to give you a list, all right? Here's the first one. Giving from the heart is investing with God. Giving from the heart is investing with God. Giving from the heart is always sacrificial. Listen to this. This is in 2 Samuel. The king answered uh, Amaroth, No, I insist on buying it from you for a price, for I will not offer to the Lord my God burnt offerings that cost me nothing. David bought the threshing floor and the oxen for 24 ounces of silver. What's going on here? David was going to make a sacrifice, and he was buying this threshing floor from this guy who was not a Jew, and because he says, I'm going to do something for God, it didn't cost me anything. I'm going to buy this from you because of generosity. I'm the king. I can declare it mine and take it, but I'm not going to do that because I'm going to reflect the heart of God and because I'm going to buy the threshing floor, I'm going to pull up the wood, and I'm going to kill the oxen, and I'm going to sacrifice his God. And what I'm going to do with this oxen, I'm going to feed everyone around me. 
That's what they did with burnt offerings, y'all. They just burn it up and watch it go, oh, there it goes. No, they fed people with, it was barbecue. You got that? And they were feeding a generosity. Their sacrifice was an example of generosity. Oh, it was the feeding program. Oh, it wasn't some kind of religious ritual where they just burn it up and it went away. No, they cooked it and the people ingested it and they gave glory to God for his provision because God is generous. And David footed the bill. That's pretty amazing. Giving from the heart is not tied to what you can afford. It's not. The amount doesn't matter. The heart matters. Giving from the heart is a personal matter. It's between you and God. It's not between you and me. Giving from the heart is always in response to needs. I give to meet needs. Now, when I talk about needs, automatically we think about food, clothing, shelter. No, there's more than that. There's emotional needs, there's spiritual needs, there's relational needs, there's obviously physical needs. People have, there's mental needs. People need these kind of needs met. So when I give, I want to give to meet those needs. It's not good for people to be hungry, to be, people to be homeless, people to struggle with depression, anxiety, worry, fear. It's not good. We need to be generous people to meet needs. And what a way we meet needs, we provide spaces for people to gather. Our buildings are not a edifice we worship, but a tool we use to meet needs. That's why we have these buildings. That's why we have this video equipment, so I can talk to you to meet your needs. And what I'm talking to you about today is a great need, because you need to be generous. You need to be generous. Giving from the heart is always an expression of love, not legalism. Not because I have to, because I get to. Because I get to. The other day, I did something, and, and somebody paid me for it, over and above, and I went to the bank, and I cashed it, and I gave the money to Tara. Why? Because I love her. I love her. I said, here, baby, take this and do whatever you want to. In fact, actually, in reality, I give all the money to Tara, okay? That's just the way it works. But I didn't have to do that. She didn't know I made that money. But I gave it to her because I love her. My kids, <laughs> they, they grease Papa all the time. We play a game. This is what we do. I'll, I'll play a game with you. I'll take a, I'll take a, a bill, and it's a miracle I have a bill. I'm going to take a, a small bill, a dollar. And I'll say, let's play a game. And on the, on the dollar bill, there's a number between 1 and 12. And that's the where it's minted. And it's right there. It's right there in the corner. This is a 12. And I'll hold it up like this where they can't see it. And I said, okay, let's play the number game. If they guess the number, they get the dollar or the 20 or the 100. I've played it with hundreds before. In fact, I used to play it with Caleb and Kayla when they were little, and I had $200 bills, and they both guessed the number and got the money. Now, if you don't guess the number, it doesn't cost you anything because Papa's going to give it to you. And I'll say this to Ivy. This is fun. She said, Papa, can we play the game? I said, sure. I said, Ivy, pick a number between 1 and 12. 1 and 12. Or 1 and 12, like 6 maybe. And she always wins. And she loves the game. Why? Because I love her. I love her. And this, this is what this does. It, when I give, it's an expression of love. Expression of love. And, and when Tara and I give to the Lord, 
suppression of love. We love Jesus. Would I be generous if I wasn't a pastor? <laughs> Y'all, I'll tell you something. If I wasn't a pastor, I'd be a mess. Probably still am a mess. But generosity comes from my heart because it's out of love, and it's all for Jesus. It's amazing. So um, who are you in all this? Are you a pretender? Are you real? Only you can answer that. My generosity is a place from my love. And that love comes from Jesus. So maybe this is what you need to think about today. And I'm going to be talking about this more in the next few weeks. Maybe it's time for me to first give myself to Jesus, then give my resources as an act of worship to God. Huh. And then live all for Jesus. Let's pray. Father, thank you for what you said to us in your word today. And I pray that this has helped, folks. Oftentimes, Father, when I talk about this topic, it just seems so kind of hard. But, y'all, Father, I know this, that, that uh, when people hear this, they, they think it's about me trying to harvest something from them. But, Lord, it's not. It's about me talking to them from my heart to their heart that they might reflect your heart. You're a generous God. And I pray, Father, that we will not pretend, but we will be real. And the first place we can deal with that realness is in our generosity. Father, there's some listening today that need to give their life to you. They don't belong to you. They know that they're hypocritical. They're pretending. And Father, I pray that they will whisper this prayer, Jesus, I'm yours. Forgive me of my sins. Be my Savior. I'm going to live all for you. Thank you for what you're going to do in our lives today as we make commitments that change the direction of our eternity. And we pray this in your name. Amen. I don't know what you prayed with me just then, but I do want to thank you for your generosity in the past, and I want to encourage you with generosity in the future. We've got things going on, needs to be met. You know, we deal with churches. We have seven churches in Cuba, and Cuba's a mess. We're trying to get money and food and medicine down there, and your generosity, that just helps so much. What we're doing in church planting and church revitalization is so important, and, and your generosity makes a difference. What we're doing in beautifying, expanding our physical campus here really matters and because we want to create a wonderful destination for lives to be built that honors God. That really matters. The ministries we're doing, we're trying to be good stewards and doing things the right way for the right reasons, and that really matters. So show your generosity. and Thank you for giving. Thank you for your past faithfulness and your future generosity. And God loves you. And you can click on our Give Now button on our webpage or, or mail it in or whatever. Jordan could tell you all about that. But I want to say this to you. I love you, and I thank God for you. I look forward to what God's going to do in and for and through us in the days ahead.